Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, February 4th. On today's show, I want to offer you all an ATP Tour rapid fire of takes. Of course, there are three events happening at the 250 level this week. Two on hard courts in Montpellier and Pune. One on the clay courts of Cordoba. What I want to do here for all of you listeners is offer you an assortment of thoughts on the first few days of action that has happened at those events. Of course, I do apologize for the lack of mini-break podcasts over the past few days. What we're going to do to make up for that fact, we'll go week weekend mini break podcasts here to talk about the championship action and play catch up on this week's pro tour action but of course as many of you listeners I'm sure are aware of I'm currently live at the Cleveland Challenger have the opportunity to cover that event in person here this week also doing some work as MC for the tournament as such haven't had the time to lock in on these ATP events like we usually do throughout the week here at Crack Rackets nevertheless I made it a point last night to try Try to catch up on all the action that's unfolded. Of course, it's a quarterfinal Friday in all three of these events, some of them happening in the very early hours of the morning, other of them in particular, Cordoba going late into the night here in the United States. But as I said, I've caught up on all of the action. I have an assortment of takes for all of you listeners today. That is our agenda on this show. Of course, we try not to just focus on the ATP WTA tour level action happening here at Crack Rackets. And if you're looking for updates on those non-tour level events, head on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. I've offered my thoughts on my first two days here in Cleveland. There we also, of course, recapped what were two exceptional ITA kickoff weekend events for the men and women in Division I college tennis. If you're not already, you should tune in to our recording of our weekly recaps each and every week on our YouTube channel. Super producer Daniel Westoff has created our first Cracked Rackets TV show. It is truly Unlike anything I have been a part of, and all of the credit in the world goes to Westoff, who has killed it, absolutely killed it from a production side. Of course, you can hear those recaps over on the Great Shot podcast feed, but I promise that is far less fun than seeing our smiling faces, seeing the incredible work incorporated by super producer Daniel Westoff. Point being, if you're looking for college tennis recaps, Great Shot podcast feed is for you. Every Tuesday, we recap the women uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time for the men moving forward of course another thing we're trying to do here and in particular for me here on Friday really want to lock in on some interviews here at the Cleveland Challenger want to hear from these players directly I've had informal conversations want to formalize those present them to all of you listeners on our cracked interviews podcast feed so be on the lookout for that 
over the next few days as well. But of course, you didn't come here to hear the plugs. You came to hear about the ATP Tour. Of course, before I can talk about that, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason these podcasts are possible is because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. You all know the deal. Best equipment, best prices, one location. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. If you use it at checkout, not only will you let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off all sale items free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, that's Tennis-point. Symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into it. Rapid fire takes from this week's action on the ATP Tour. We'll start in Montpellier, France, as that has, I suppose, the most uh, esteemed, the highest ranked. We'll just go with players uh, in the draw. Certainly number one seed, Alex Virev, to see him competing the week after the Australian Open at an ATP 250. I think that speaks to his disappointment with his Australian Open result as well as his drive here. He senses the opening at the top of the ATP rankings to make a push for world number one if Zverev can rack up enough titles throughout the course of the season. Obviously, you're going to need some big results at the Slams and the Masters events, but you know these little 250s are the little nuggets that help you make that additional push. And you know as we've learned throughout the course of these Grand Slams, you don't want to be on the side of Novak Djokovic. That was a lesson Zverev learned you know, quite uh, thoroughly at last year's U.S. Open and Australian Open. Now, he didn't even get to the Rafa match in Australia this year, but certainly he wants to be number two. He doesn't want to be the guy, you know, he doesn't want to be the number three guy who's got to go through two of, you know, inevitably one of those people are going to have to go through two of Medvedev, Djokovic, Nadal, whatever it may be. He wants to be in control of that destiny, though. I think that's why we see him playing this week. Good win. Over Mackie McDonald, two and six in the quarterfinals. I thought Mackie played really well against Ilya Ivashka, and Mackie continues. You know, he's won what sixty three percent of his matches, I think, on hard courts, dating back to last season at the ATP level. Obviously, that big City Open final run in the summer just used his speed, his quickness. He beat Ivashka actually at the City Open as well. Beats him again here. Just you know, Ivashka hits the big ball, but not quite big enough that it overwhelms Mackie. And Mackie with his speed, if you give him some top spin to work with, he's going to use that speed to catch that ball early on the rise and just, you know, again, he was on his front foot, a better returner. Ivashka didn't have the big enough serve to hurt Mackie with. Zverev did. And of course, Zverev was able to out-physical Mackie as well. And just, you know, again, Mackie fought, was very, very close to taking that second set in the end. Zverev, two and six victory, two advance to the quarterfinals, where now he's going to take on arguably one of the stories of 2022 and Adrian Manorino, who did not have a good 2021 season and seemed to be, you know, falling out of that top 50 range, seemed to be falling out of, uh, you know, that where he had been and throughout the course of his career and, you know, was going to have to start working qualifying at Masters events. And now, you know, Manorino's back up to number 57 in the world off of obviously what was a really fun match against Rafa uh, at the Australian Open and perhaps more importantly, you know, and beating Hurkacz at the Australian Open as well, making that third round. And now quarterfinals here in his home country of France, again, to be back up to number 57 at this point of the season. It's right in the strike zone, right on the border for the Masters events, getting in on your own. And by the way, Mackie McDonald up to a new career high of number 50, uh, 49 with his result in Montpellier. So, yeah, again, I, I think for Manorino, you know, again, lefty, usually that's a good matchup for Zverev into that backhand. But, you know, Manorino is playing such free tennis right now. Straight sets over Davidovich Fokina dominated David Goffin in the round of 16 battle. 
I mean, again, Manorino is playing some good ball right now, folks. Not, you know, I would say as well as he's ever played in his career. An indoor hard court, certainly uh, an opportunity on a faster surface. That's where you like him most. It's going to be a fun quarterfinal matchup between he and Zverev. However, uh, you know, you look beyond that, uh, quarterfinal number two, big upset here. Mikhail Emer, who... Just has the speed, folks. He has the athleticism. He has the physicality. He has the, you know, the foundational pieces, whether it's just how solid he is off both the forehand and backhand wing. His, you know, the steadiness, the discipline, the ability to turn defense into offense, the ability to turn into a forehand, although he needs to channel that aggressive mindset and the aggression he can play better because he does get too defensive. But, I mean, he just outworked Gael Monfils in a 6-1-6-2 victory to knock off the number three seed and advance to the quarterfinals. And, you know, again, I thought in match number one for Emer, he out-physicaled Quarantine Moutet in match number two. I mean, Monfils said it on Twitter. And shout out to Gael Monfils, who says, you know, I don't want to just talk to my fans when I play well. I want to talk to them when I play poorly as well. And I did not play well today. And he's absolutely right about that fact. This was a stinker for Gael Monfils. Just couldn't find the big shots down the line, wasn't able to do anything to hurt Emer, and Emer made him pay for that fact. And again, Mikhail Emer is locked in right now. You look for Emer, uh, he has risen, I believe now, let's see, Mikhail Emer all the way up. Yeah, and currently number 80 is the 23-year-old in the ATP rankings. One more victory for him this week gets him into uh, top 75 it's where he belongs. I mean, again, on hard courts, you look for him over this past 52 weeks. Emers won over, you know, 50% of his ATP tour matches on hard courts. That's going to keep you in the top 100. That's going to allow you to make that push. And now the big thing for Emer, he doesn't have to play Grand Slam qualifying. He can get in on his own volition. It's been a good week for the Emer brothers, plural, just with the success they've had. Both of them have had, but certainly for Mikhail Emer, it's now been sustained success. Excuse me. We saw it in the warm-up events in Australia. He now carries that over here to the 250 in Montpellier, all the credit in the world, to the young Swiss player, Emer, into the quarterfinals, where now he's going to face off against Richard Gasquet, and Gasquet, you know, another victory for him, three sets over Hugo Humbert, he knocked off Humbert in the first round of the Australian Open as well, then gets perhaps, in my opinion, the more impressive win, because Humbert, respectfully, is just a mess right now, return of serve all over the place, just can't seem to find his rhythm, Humbert, you know, Gasquet, three sets in that one, but then, you know, just... Sun Wukwan really had difficulties hurting Richard Gasquet, which is very surprising to say at this point of Gasquet's career. And you look for Gasquet, he was the one moving Quan into the outer thirds of the court. He was the one dictating and on his front foot and, you know, having a ton of success on the return of serve and just, you know, neutralizing what Quan was trying to do with his plus one ball. It was just an efficient match from Richard Gasquet. He was hitting all of his spots right now and seems to be fit and healthy for the first time in a while I mean, is Gasquet going to be making second weeks at Grand Slams anytime soon? I don't think so, but this is certainly a nice week for the Frenchman and, you know, keeps him in the mix. You always, at that age, do you want to be reliant, you know, on wild cards or those sorts of things to get into big, uh, to get into main draws? Probably not. You look for Richard Gasquet, currently 75 in the world, still getting into Grand Slams on his own volition. And, you know, again, we'll be in the push, Masters events, qualifying. If he wants to go play them, uh, he certainly will have that option available to him, but it always helps to get a nice early the quarterfinal on the board as well. 
And then your last quarterfinal, Phil, uh, uh, your last, excuse me, set of quarterfinals, Phil Krajinovic taking on Zemir Zumher. Krajinovic, the number five seed, playing good ball. Straight set wins over Paparin and Songa, uh, as well as Zemir Zumher. Uh, excuse me, faces off now against Zemir Zumher, who got a win over Mulkan and Vasilishvili to advance to the quarterfinals. And your bottom of the draw, Bublik, a really impressive first round win over Talon Greekspor, six and six. Follows that up with a three set win over Pierre Uzerber, who's got to be happy to be competing once again. Uh, uh, now, next up for Bublik, and in a very much informed Roberto Bautista Agut. What a fun contrast of styles that is. The shot-making and just the erratic nature of Bublik versus the relentless discipline of Roberto Bautista Agut. Very much looking forward to that match in Montpellier. Uh, in terms of your other early results, did anything stand out to me? I mean, David Goffin... He's slipping, folks, and I believe he's outside the top 50 now with this loss to Manorino because I think he won the title here last season, and just you can see the confidence he's struggling with, finding a plan A, plan B, finding a way to win points easily for himself. He's just not able to do that right now, and Manorino made him pay for that fact. Again, I talked about the Umber struggles. I think Greek Spore, Greek Spore is going to make a top 50 push. Greek Spore is going to be in the mix, folks. There's just so much action on the ball he hits, and just a guy who, again, wants to play on his front foot and has a ton of confidence that he built up in equity last year on the Challenger Tour. I'm still in on the Greek Spore bandwagon. I think that guy can freaking play, and so keep your eye on Talon Greek Spore moving forward. But that is your action in Montpellier. Again, your quarterfinals, Vera Manorino. Emer Gasquet, Krajinovic, Zumher, Bublik taking on RBA. That's hardcourt event number one, hardcourt event number two happening over in Punai, India. And you look right now, they're a little bit ahead of where I am, you know, uh, or I suppose quarterfinals being played today, but some of them already underway. Hey, great shot. Unintentional rhyme. I do apologize. Worth noting, you know, Top seed, top two, uh, two of the top four seeds are a knocked out of this event. Aslan Karatsev, a two and six loss in his round of 16 match to Elias Emer. Emer, the opportunity to make the first ATP semifinal of his career this week. Very winnable match against Stefano Travaglia. And, you know, again, I really like the game of Emer, how fluid he is around the court. I think he can be a little bit more aggressive than his brother Mikhail, but I also don't think he's quite as solid on both wings. I think he is more likely to, to, produce an unforced error, just not quite as solid uh, on that, on that, um, on that, on the backhand wing, excuse me, or, or the forehand wing, excuse me, not quite as fluid on that forehand wing is what I was looking for. Uh, but look, really good win for Emer over Karasev, who was a little checked out for sure, but Emer will take it. And he advances to the quarterfinals where now he's going to take on Travaglia. Travaglia, nice win for him over Yuki Bambri, who it's great to just see healthy and playing tennis again. And for Bambri to get a first set win over Kovalik, you know, Bambri, the former, was he number one junior in the world back in what, like 2009 or 10, something around that range. And it's just dealt with a ton of different injuries, but good to see him healthy playing tennis once again. Uh, you look at some of the other stars of the week. To me, Emil Rusevori has stood out. Just the ball he's hitting. Again, the serve, the plus one forehand, the backhand, the fluidity of the movement. You saw all of it in his first round match at the Australian Open against Sinner, uh, against FAA, excuse me. What a brutal first round. If, if Rusevori doesn't play FAA first round, I think we're talking about him round three or even scarily, maybe a push to that second week. Rusevori, 0-6 win over Gerasimov, then gets a 3-3 and win over Vit Capriva. Now we'll have his toughest test to date in Yuri Veseli, but I mean, it's a very winnable match for him against the big lefty server. And I'm just telling you, 
It reminds me of Tsitsipas, just physically. I don't think Rusevori has quite the first step that Tsitsipas ever did, and I don't think he's quite going to get to that fluid, uh, level of fluidity as a mover. But the stiffness you saw in his hips early on in his career, it's been mediated, particularly on hard courts. And just if you give Rusevori time, go listen to him hit forehands. Close your eyes, listen to the pop, and you'll say, I want that forehand. Versus 99% of tennis players' forehands and... I mean, again, just I think the the ease and the compact nature of his backhand. I mean, I, I convinced Gil Gross to believe in him, uh, certainly. And again, when I watched Rusevori play, who's the comparison? I mean, just the way he turns into his forehand. I don't think FAA is a horrible comparison for Rusevori. Now, I just don't think physically the strength and the movement and the aggression and, you know, again, that Rus- that FAA imposes on his opponents. I don't know if Rusevori is ever going to get quite be able to get to that level. He also doesn't quite have Felix's fluidity. But like 85% of Felix Oshiraliasim is a top 30 player, a top, you know, 90%, 92% on hard courts. That's a top 20 player on hard courts. And so it shouldn't shock anyone at all to see him make a big run here at the 250. It also should shock no one to see Camille Mychak, who I believe I may have Mychak, Mychak, Mychak. My check. I'm gonna. I'm gonna check that. Apologies. I said it a million times there, but he offered his pronunciation. That's been a long-standing thing here at Crack Rackets. Figuring out how to pronounce uh, correctly pronounce his name. We asked our expert, Damian Koost. He was also unclear. I believe it's my check. Uh, earns. You know, he's into the quarterfinals here. He's gonna beat Lorenzo Musetti. I'm telling you, he is just going to beat him with just matches. If you if my check, excuse me, if you watched him play at the ATP Cup, you watched him play over the past few seasons. Yeah, the forehand sits a little bit short. It's not an overwhelming back uh, weapon, but the backhand, the fluidity of it, how the drive he produces on it, his ability to take it both cross and down the line, and just how easy it is for him to move the ball around the court. The serve seems to have taken another jump forward as well. I'm all in on the my check bandwagon, and it was a really good win for Lorenzo Musetti to get a three set win over Alex Vukic, who, in my opinion, has established himself as a top 100 hardcourt player. But man, my check, Musetti, that's a match my check should win. And so keep an eye on that one. Uh, the only quarterfinalist I haven't mentioned, Joao Sosa, first quarterfinal in quite a bit of time for him. He's taken on the always talented Daniel Altmeyer. Uh, Altmeyer, beautiful one-handed backhand and good wins for Altmeyer over Gunasuarin and Albot as well. But again, your quarterfinals, Emer versus Travaglia, Sosa versus Altmeyer, Rusevori versus Vesely, my check versus Musetti. Emil Rusevori should win this tournament. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's time for him to win this title in Pune. He is the best player in the draw. That would be my prediction for championship weekend. But last, and certainly not least, let's switch gears. I don't know if I'm ready for clay court action. I mean, there's always clay court action, I suppose, happening at the challenger level. But ATP and WTA tour level clay court action... I mean, it's the first week of February. It just feels like a lot. Nevertheless, we have our quarterfinals set up. Diego Schwartzman, straight set win over Juan Pablo Vikovic. Uh, Fikovic, excuse me, he's now going to take on Daniel Galan. Gayan, uh, a, a much-needed lucky loser, gets a, a win over Hugo Deli, and then a three-set win over Hami Munar, who, of course, is always such a tough out on the clay courts. It's a really nice win for Gayan, who, again, still had the kick serve. When he finds forehands on this clay court, the action that he's able to put on that ball. I mean, there's a reason he made, what, third round French Open, I want to say, back in 2020. Guy's got a ton of natural talent. A guy's got the talent. It's just a confidence thing. I think struggled for him last year. Now, again, he's back on a surface in conditions he's most comfortable in. That's going to be a fun match. Guyon versus Schwartzman. Looking forward to that one. 
big win for a guy we all have our eye on, Sebastian Baez, who won, what, five challenger titles last year on clay and, you know, acquainted himself quite well at the next-gen finals. Well, he gets probably the biggest win of his career. Three-set win over number three seed Christian Green, 4-6-6-1-6-1, to advance to what I believe is either his first or his second ATP-level quarterfinal. And again, we always said, on the clay courts, Baez unequivocally a top 50 guy already. Well, he's proven that with a win over a guy in Garin, who I think many people would consider a top 15 clay court player. It's a really nice win for Baez, and now it's going to be a fun matchup for him in Alejandro Tabilo. I'm sure they've played on the Challenger Tour over the years, and obviously Tabilo straight set wins over Sarundalo, Carlos Taberner. That's a fun quarterfinal match. Looking forward to that one. Albert Ramos Finoles, breaking my heart, beating my birthday brother, Juan Pablo Varias for uh six four two three. Uh he's now gonna take on Lorenzo Sanego and Sanego a three set win over Roberto Carbeas Baina. Uh Baina, a straight set win over Holger Rune was a little disappointed to see Rune uh lose that match in straight sets in that first round, and especially because it felt like Carbeas Baina doesn't necessarily have the weapon to hurt him with. But nevertheless, you look for uh Carbeas Baina, straight set win over Holger Rune. Senego, then the three-set win, Senego, Ramos, Vinoles, uh, that's going to be a fun match. And then last but certainly not least, one Ignacio Landero, pretty impressive run for the Argentinian wild card, gets a win uh, over Yannick Hanifman in straight sets, then gets a win over Pedro Martinez Portero, your number eight seed in straight sets. Really nice run for Landero, who's now going to take on luckily loser Nikolai Miljevic. Miljevic replacing Dominic Team in the draw. Team unfortunately out till at least Indian Wells now. Just felt some discomfort in his wrist. Wasn't ready to get back competing on tour as such. He's going to hold off till Indian Wells Miami stretch. And I mean, look now, what's it been? Ten months? Nine months since we've seen Dominic Team compete? Certainly at least six. Um, hopefully, again, just want to see him healthy because obviously plays such a physical brand of tennis, but credit to Miljevic, who just makes every match he plays a track meet and just outlasted the talented young Argentinian Thomas Martin Echeverry to earn a straight set victory. But again, Clay Cortenis rocking and rolling in Cordoba, Landero versus Miljevic, Sanego versus Ramos Vinoles, Tabilo versus Baez, Guyan versus Schwartzman. Those are your rapid-fire takes of where things stand on the ATP Tour. Now, again, my promise to you, call me out on Twitter if you don't see it posted by 1 p.m. Saturday, mini-breaks on Saturday, mini-breaks on Sunday. That's going to be my way of saying I'm sorry and making up for the fact that we haven't had a full slate of episodes here this week. But, of course, if you're looking for updates, we have had podcasts. Of course, I offered my thoughts on my first two days in Cleveland at the Cleveland Challenger over on the Great Shot podcast feed, our ITA kickoff weekend recaps over there at as well. All of that content also available on the website, crackedrackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at great uh, at AL Gruskin. Excuse me, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 with all of that said for my fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.